Welcome to the Money and Meaning Show. I'm your host, Kenei Quarter, National Certified Counselor and the world's number one clinical financial hypnotherapist. Each week, I'll share with you the research I'm uncovering as I chronicle the search for meaning over money. My interviews, tips, and resources will help you determine what you need to get the most out of your practice and your life. Because life is about more than money. It's about meaning. So let's get into today's show. Welcome to this edition of the Money and Meaning Podcast. Okay, guys. So you know how I have been wanting to do the live interview. Yeah, this is it. I am doing a live interview inside the Prosperity Club. Our Prosperity Club members are there. As soon as this interview is over, they're going to get to ask our guests questions. And but you guys we're going to we're going to have to leave you guys for that part. But I just want to let you know that we are innovative, we're doing things and you should be in this prosperity club. But in the meantime, let's get us started on today's topic and I want to introduce today's guest to you because she is a friend of mine now. We met um it's been about 6 months ago. Now it's 6 months ago and we completely hit it off because she is living my life, the life that I am building right now. She is living it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to be close to you until forever. So, <laughs> so guys, let me introduce you to Dr. Suzanne Bennett. She is a holistic chiropractic physician with over 31 years of clinical experience and advanced study, specializing in allergies, gut and skin disorders, and environmental and anti-aging medicine. Dr. Suzanne is also the CEO and founder of Purigenics, a skincare company with the only transdermal medical grade type one collagen available that penetrates the skin without any injections. She's the dedicated talk show host of Wellness for Life on Radio MD and iHeartRadio, where she and her guests share cutting edge health natural strategies to help you start feeling better today. Dr. Suzanne lives in Pacific Palisades with her husband, George, and her pup, Lola, and loves organic living, snorkeling with whale sharks and eating kimchi. <laughs> <laughs> she's also the best international best-selling author of many books, and she's going to tell us all about them today as we talk about her journey at turning her money into meaning. I think it's also important to mention that Dr. Suzanne has been running a 100% virtual practice successfully and travels the world. She shares with us everything that she's learned as she started her practice, grew her practice, and now living a life full of meaning. So guys, please join me in welcoming our guest today, Dr. Suzanne Bennett. Hey, Suzanne. Hello, everyone. I'm so happy that I'm here. I'm honored to be in your presence, everyone, and so excited to share whatever, however I can, I can help in any way of my journey, and maybe it'll, it'll make an impact in you. Absolutely. I know it will. So let's start with my favorite first question. And that is, what is your idea of prosperity? Oh, the word prosperity is a big word because in my culture, in I'm, I'm Korean, I was born in Korea and in the early 60s, coming from a developing country, prosperity, when I was younger, meant different than the way I feel today. And when I was younger, it was really about more like making sure we had enough food. And although we had a shelter and we lived really comfortably, it was probably 
I remember when my mother would bring home food from the commissary. Commissary is a U.S. military base. And my father worked for the U.S. government. And so early on, I became a U.S. citizen, even living in Korea. And this was, again, early 60s on the heels of the Korean War. Wow. Okay, so, you know, I wasn't part of that. But I remember my mother and that's my mother bringing home from the commissary where she used to work. Butter, butter was never, never, we never even had butter. Butter, she brought Folgers, those big cans, you, you know the yeah. big cans, if you remember way back when. And uh, the third thing that she would bring, butter, spam. I mean, those three foods, items, and we felt like so rich from just having that, you know, having like, oh, we've got food that we've never had before. And all of our family, you know, outside uh, and our friends would come over and would eat with us because they just never had tried that. So I remember a sense of prosperity, feeling that as as a youngster. Yeah. And knowing that. But as I got older and going into teenage years, college years, and then becoming a doctor, it really shifted, it shifted. And so to me, at least for, for the way I look at it, prosperity is really living the life you love. That's how mm-hmm. I, I, that's about abundance, not just financial abundance, because that's part of being able to reach your goals and having the options and having the choices in life. They shift as you develop financial growth you, you're shifting even the sense of where you're going and the direction that you want to go. So I feel that I've, I've dealt with prosperity as a get-go, although if you were to ask me about details of my life, you would think, oh my God, that's a lot of this and a lot of that. And boy, she's gone through a dysfunctional family and blah, 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 you know? <laughs> yes. I mean, we all have that, don't we? We all yes. have our own stories. Yep. And those stories are super important because it will help you decide the direction that you want to create your new story. Yeah. So I, I'm all about new stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's talk about your story in how you transitioned from that those teenage years and then you went to medical school and became a doctor. So let's talk about your story right around there. Well, as my t- as a teenager, I was very big in natural, the nature. I, like I said, living, I lived on a mountain and all I did was hang out in the bushes and, you know, hang out with insects. I was very much into nature very mm-hmm. early on. I, I, more than the average child, you know, more than the average child. And I felt that that was really where I loved myself the most. I felt most mm-hmm. comfortable, most relaxed, most grounded when I was a kid, doing the things that I love to do. Then in high school, I started, I wanted to be a zoologist. If anyone knows about zoology, there was this thing called Mutual of Omaha, very old, Um, old, you know, show. And I wanted to be a zoologist like the guy that was in Mutual of Omaha. Anyway, uh, so from there in high school though, I got my first taste of human physiology. And I went from zoology, which is, the study of animals and wildlife, right? And and all that, the nature went into more humans. And that's what got me to think, you know, I can probably do better working with humans because I can talk to them and I can (laughs) engage with them and all that. And I went to UCLA and UCLA was my undergraduate degree in kinesiology. It's a study of human body, human movement, and the science of biomechanics and, and the physical body. I was very athletic early on. So being connected to my body 
as an athlete, it just kind of was so easy for me to be in kinesiology. What I did find out though, is that when I was at UCLA, I, I, I went and did a, it's like an internship, but a little bit more in-depth in type of volunteer. It wasn't volunteer. I was getting paid at the hospital and I did part-time work because I had to pay for a lot of things myself growing up. I didn't have a lot of luxuries. So when I, even in high school and college, I did do some work, you know, work to get extra money so I can go out with my friends and get makeup and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. They <laughs> love when you're a kid. And, but I found out after four years of being at UCLA um, and I was, I wanted to be a medical doctor. I really wanted to go into orthopedics, but I didn't love the environment. Mm-hmm. Being in the hospital scene, I, I was just really, I didn't like the smell of it. And you know what everyone, it smells like. I didn't like the smell. I didn't like the, I didn't like the model of how medicine was, was at that time. And I'm sure it might be the still now, but mm-hmm. I didn't think I wanted to be, a, I want to be happy and help people and get excited. But all I saw was quite, you know, disease, yep. illness, death, you know, surgery, drug therapy. Yep. That's so not where I am. I'm and more energetically and positive. Let's think about life and making things better. And I, as a sports medicine person that I really want to go into, I, I realized that might not be it. At the time, in the early, early 80s, when I was yeah. used to life, uh, the timing is amazing. You know, when you think about, and I, I want everyone here to, you know, listeners to think about the timing of their life and how you use that specific time in, in maximizing your potential of who you are. At that time in the early 80s, it just started with private training in Los Angeles. And I was fortunate to be in that the city in L.A. And private training, if nobody knows what that means right now, it's really about helping someone get them their body in shape, but doing it one on one. There's a lot of different kind of private trainers, you know, health coaches, physical. There's many different kinds now that everyone talks about. But I'm talking about true weightlifting, running doing cardio. That's private training. And that's what started here in LA. And I was probably one of the top 10 that's ever been in that industry starting it. So I was one of the founding members. Now that's from timing. I was a kinesiology major. I was at UCLA and I took that opportunity because I realized I love exercise. I'm a big athlete, right? So I loved exercise. I knew a lot about biomechanics. I knew a lot about exercise physiology. So people were drawn to me because I knew a lot Mm -hmm. and I knew I took that opportunity. And that's the timing part that I want people to understand. You've got to also look at and listen, you know, you can see, listen, and just feel that energy of what's going to be the hot thing next. And I was really lucky to be in that situation. And that's what led me to wanting to do, be a business owner. Mm. As a private trainer, I serviced all of the people in the entertainment business. We're in LA. So it just naturally, I had more of those individuals that I knew from at the gym that I used to work out at, just in general, you know, so yeah. I serviced those men and women that were in the you know, industry of the movie and they all had disposable income. That's a great point. And before you go, into your business, I really want to stress the part that you said, timing one, you made a pivot. 
you you kind of skated over it, but it was a big life decision. You were going to school what you thought was going to be. And I just talked to one of our members about this earlier today, this thing you had in your head that you were going to do. First, it was zoology and that was your thing. And then you said, well, maybe not. Maybe I'm going to work one on one as a doctor. And then you said, well, you know what? I actually don't like this. And you didn't get stuck in this idea you had in your head. You were willing to pivot. And then you took that and you took some more passion that you had because we all have several passions, but we kind of get stuck in like maybe what society tells us to do or our parents tell us to do or the thing you just like, well, I got to stick to this since what I said I had to do, but you didn't do that. You shifted. And now you move that from starting this business. You're working one-on-one with celebrities and you know the people from your gym and now you're in private training. So, okay, let's go from there. Talk more about that. You took that and you went into a private practice and you started your business there. Right. So as a private trainer, I got a lot of connections. I really believe connections and relationships were key to going from one phase to another. Mm. And I was a private trainer from junior, senior. And then what happened was that instead of medicine, I wanted to go because one of my professors, my one of my favorite professors in, in anatomy at UCLA, you know, in the early 80s, their chiropractic wasn't a big thing. Mm-hmm. In fact, they were considered quacks, you know, downright quacks. I took a class even in medical quackery. And there are all kinds of things in chiropractic people that you know, chiropractors do and this and that. And but you know what I did was I'm someone that makes my own decision on who, what certain things is. I don't, I don't rely on when I was younger, I relied a lot on my mother's, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. But as I got older and started to have confidence, because when you work on yourself, or you doing a business, and you're really getting good at it, and you're getting feedback, that feedback is so gold. That feedback is gold, because you can figure out, oh, you know what, this is not the right direction. This is not the right kind of exercises that my people want. They want this. And and you just got to take that information and use it for making it better for yourself and for your, your clients. And I remember that my favorite doctor uh, professor decided to go into chiropractic. He said, Suzanne, I'm leaving. I'm going to go into Los Angeles College of Chiropractic and I'm not going to be here next year to teach you guys. And I was just devastated. But you know what I did was I'm like, what's a chiropractor? And And so what I did was I got a um, like a, I guess, a physical therapy assistant, you can call it with a a local chiropractor who was a sports physician Mm. and he treated all of the Raiders, you know, LA Raiders, remember way back when, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All of them, Howie Long, Howie's Long, isn't that his name? He's a big, big, I worked on the biggest football players and I just loved it. I was like, <laughs> this is me. I'm like, I love sports medicine. I, I really got, got a taste of what true sports medicine rehab was about because that's what this chiropractor did with all of the elite athletes. Again, it was just another opportunity like, oh, wow, this is perfect. Now it's, it's making me feel like I can do this too. Mm-hmm. I worked with them for the summertime for three, three months. So I went straight to the same. I didn't even think about other chiropractor schools around this country. In fact, in Chicago, where you're from, there's a big one. All right. Yeah. But I didn't even think about going anywhere else. I just went to the school that my, my, I figured the doctor that knows so much, he's going to go to the best school anyway. So, which ended up being here in Whittier, Los Angeles College of Chiropractic. And I went right there, right after chiropractic, right after UCLA, 
right? I went straight into it. Now I did all my private training all the way up into, you know, going into chiropractic school because I needed to make money. Chiropractic school was very, very expensive. Even it's much more now, but I, I just knew with my mom, I mean, she put me through, you know, speaking of like entrepreneurship and business. My mom was the first person that I learned from when she brought home all that stuff from the commissary, she would sell it to her friends and I, she would wheel and deal. Oh, wow. Yeah, absolutely. Because she wants, she needed to make money and wanted to make money for our livelihood. So I learned a lot about of doing things that people want, you know what I mean? Getting yep. in the the get, finding that niche that you love, but also making it so that how is it that you can service other people? Yes. And also make uh, make money and make a difference. Like that's what your mom was doing in the beginning. She yeah. was making money, but she was also making a difference in her community. Those were things that people couldn't get without her help. And so she had access to it. So she got it for them, but she also saw an opportunity for herself and she turned it into a way to make money. And so yeah. that's kind of like recapping what your this part of your story. A lot of what you said was you were big on learning, but then you were also big on listening and then following your gut. And that's what not a lot of us give credence to. We listen to external rather mm -hmm. than listen to internal. And so you were listening, you were looking at the external saying, what are the trends? What is happening? Which way can I go? But also listening to your gut internal. And then you were getting creative with finding the right person to work with and, and collaborate with and those relationships you talked about. Hey there, I know you want to become a Prosperity Pro. And one of the ways to do that is to take our money mentality quiz. Now at Presidential Lifestyle, we call your money personality, your money mentality. And we've learned that your money mentality is your money reality, whether you deserve it or not. Now in my years of clinical practice, I've found there are seven money mentality types. Do you know your money mentality? Well, you should because not knowing it could be holding you back from getting to your next level financially. Maybe you're a spender or a saver, or you could be an enthusiast or a hero. Now, I know you may not have heard of the last two, but if you take the quiz, you'll find out your money mentality. It's easy, fun, and only takes three minutes because you already know all the answers. Take the money mentality quiz. It'll help you name your money personality so you can tame your thoughts feelings and actions around money. So go ahead, take the quiz. The link is in the show notes and you might even want to share it with a friend. So now let's fast forward a little bit in how you built your practice and especially how you turned your practice virtual. I'm very interested in that. Absolutely. So from chiropractic, what I, I did was I'm, I'm someone, you know, that whole gut instinct thing and gut listening as an athlete, I was very connected to my body. We know our capability. Mm. When you are in game, playing games, whatever, we all know what it takes for us to get better. We work out hard. So we're connected to the body. That's one of the things that I think I can recommend people to do, our listeners, is that how do I learn more of my intuitive voice? How do I connect to that intuitive feeling? And intuitive feeling is actually a physical feeling. People don't realize it's not up here in the mind and thinking of, oh, yeah, well, what feels right? And I feel good about that. You know, when you think about what's going on in your story, in your mind, it's not it. An intuitive feeling is actually a physical. It's actually a visceral. 
And that's the reason why we could call it gut feelings, right? Mm-hmm. Gut intuition, gut connection. And there's truly a neurological, as a doctor, I, I'm sharing with you now, there's a neurological connection from your gut to your brain, your gut to your heart even. Mm-hmm. So there is that connection and we want to really make, connect with that so that you can make the right decisions in your life. I think for me, it was about being an athlete, being connected to my gut more than an average person. That's it. So I'm asking people, think about how can I connect? You know, you got to get yourself grounded. You got to make sure you eat well, all of that. And that was already starting as a, a going from being a private trainer to a chiropractor, I was already starting the little bits of knowing about the physicality, physical body, and how important the physical body was. So what's going to govern your successes in the future, you know, we talk about money and I had a taste. I didn't, I didn't at all have a lot growing up. I might've made, had $20 a week to eat. And this was in the eighties. Sure. Food didn't cost much, but I know that doesn't bring you a lot anyway. Mm -hmm. And as a private trainer, because of the niche and the small niche I was in at the time, I was ma- making $75 an hour. Now, that's a huge amount when you think about that's what, 40 years from now, something like 30, you know, <laughs> 38, something like that years ago. I was making $75 because the demand was high. Yeah. Remember? Only a certain small group of people demands high. So yeah, as- and it's so funny that you bring that up because I know therapists right now that are still only charging $75 an hour. And that was your price 40 years ago. Yes, yes. So if the demand's high, depending on what niche you are in, you're able to you know, make more money. Mm-hmm. So when I transitioned and I went into chiropractic school, I kept my relationships I still went and saw my people that were my private clients. I'd work out with them on the weekends. I would still connect. And I never left Santa Monica because I made that much money. I had my own two bedroom apartment. So I, ha- I stayed in Santa Monica because I wanted to keep the relationship. So this is another thing that mm-hmm. I knew. I, I knew once I come out, come out of chiropractic, I've got to figure out how to start a business. You know, and that's what I did, kept my relationships. And that was key to transitioning into my own practice. So when I started my practice, I didn't want to work for another. You remember, I I had the energy of and the feeling of I want to be my own boss. I want to create my own practice. Uh, What I did was I, I went into an office that had an office space and I created a structure where they get half of what I made. Mm. Right. And they're not going to give me any clients or patients. I've got to bring them all in. But that's the reason why I'm able to do it at my own pace and develop. And that's what I did. I wanted to live in an area very close to my gym because that's where I'm going to get all my sports medicine. Remember, I'm still sports minded. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All the sports medicine clients, they all came from my gym. And I was there. I worked. Wow. All the hours that my patients wanted you know, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. And I took my lunch between one and four. Those three hours, I worked out really hard. I ate really well at the gym. And people started to get to know who I was, obviously. And that's what I recommend, too, is getting into that area, that niche that you really want and develop relationships within that niche. Mm -hmm. And if you're, let's say, a therapist, you know, find doctors or other practitioners or gym um, or private trainers, whoever that you can collaborate with so that you can also provide help, uh, provide them 
their services, meaning like you're going to help them with clients that they need, but also you're going to get that. Now, I did a lot of that. Yeah. Developed a huge, within one year, I developed pretty much one of the biggest rehab sports medicine practice in the area of West LA, Westwood, because my practice was on Westwood Boulevard in Los Angeles area. The premium, everywhere, and the Sports Club LA was the biggest, beautiful gym that I was uh, related, you know, I had collaborated with. And so that's the the way I developed my practice. But what happened was at seven years into my practice, my son was born, Cody, and he had severe allergies. And as a sports medicine practice, I knew nothing about allergies. Mm. He had a very, very bad reaction to a vaccine and he had cerebellum meningitis and couldn't walk. He had anaphylactic reactions from asthma and couldn't breathe. He had head to toe skin disorder. It's eczema, but a severe eczema and that wouldn't go away. And that his story is this book. Ah, this is called the seven day allergy makeover. And he had allergies and environmental issues. Penguin published this, my first book. And this is all about his story because it was so crazy of what he actually went through as a child. So what I did was another time of pivoting. Mm. That word is a wonderful word because I knew that the doctors were not able to help him. He was super, super sick. And about a year and a half years old, he, like I said, he had cerebral meningitis. He couldn't walk. He literally stopped walking. So we were desperate. Yeah. And I started learning about natural medicine and using techniques that would help calm his nervous system down, calm his, his allergies down. So at least he can eat some food instead of just five food items that I had to make every single day for him. Mm. So we went from sports medicine and I decided every one of my sports medicine patients had allergies. I'm like, yes, who doesn't? You guys, yes. let me help you with that. You've got a rash on your, your legs because you're chafing them from running too much. Let me help you with that. I just kind of switched over. Wow. Everyone knew I was still doing a lot of manipulation and chiropractic, but everyone started knowing, wow, she does something else that nobody does. You know, that's another, not a lot of chiropractors are going to go into, you know, allergies, you know, they don't go. And back in the nineties, early nineties, nobody talked about allergies and anaphylaxis and peanut allergies. You know, Mm -hmm. we have it all now, but I'm going to tell you way 20 something years ago, you know, Cody's now 26. He, he, he had, was one of the few, one of the few kids that, that had like a you know, the bubble boy type of, of lifestyle was crazy. Mm-hmm. So I, I again pivoted and I became an allergy specialist. And wow. that's the way I developed. And more and more people learned about me uh, all around the world. So I'm, I'm well known in the natural medicine sector to be the allergy expert. And so that sort of, that's really how I pivoted into doing long distance, meaning I have people all around the world on the other side of the uh, country. Um, I've had South Africa, New Zealand, uh, India, Australia. I mean, many countries. I can't even count how many now. I have patients all around the world and we do it all through either Zoom, phone, WhatsApp, or from FaceTime. Mm. And I'd say 60% are phone patients. It's interesting. They are totally fine with phone. And what I do as an allergy environmental, and I really nurtured my integrative medicine practice. So what that means is I use many different disciplines. 
Mm-hmm. Many different disciplines. I work with nutrition. I love female hormone, working with women with hormone discrepancies. I love working with people who cannot sleep. Just even the basics of life. Can't sleep. They have trouble exercising. They don't have energy. You know, those are the things that I love. I am now 58 years old. And I must tell you, I feel good at my age. I feel, you know, that and the reason why I love working on people with energy and and vitality is because I want that myself. Yeah. yeah. I want to continue and I want to continue to reverse my biological age. I don't know how, you know, far, but I want to just continue. So I physically feel good. I'm not hurting. I'm not having any symptoms and I don't definitely don't have any diseases. That's key to me. And to me, that's really prosperity. If you yeah. Have- and I can say that you look about 26 right now. So <laughs> I don't know how far you plan on going back, but you look amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I must tell you that I wasn't this way all along. You know, when I had Cody, I was in such dire stress. I really suffered. And I've had different injuries. This book here, Mighty Mito, is all about my injury, my head injury. I actually had Mm. head trauma, brain trauma. And that that was, I thought I was going to retire at 50 years old because of the trauma. I couldn't work. And it was really scary. So I discovered you know, gosh, how can I help myself? And I discovered about mitochondrial health. And that's basically the little organelle in our, every cell in our body pretty much that gives us energy, Mm. energy and power and sustain energy and the life of every cell to live longer. And that's what I'm all about. I want to live a healthy life. I'm in my third phase. You know, I think of three phases, right? Yes. is all about growth and learning and just absorbing, being the sponge and experiencing. I had a lot of boyfriends and a lot of different types of of relationships and friends. And I learned so much from that, that on what not to do, how to (laughs) be, what not to, and and figure out, you know what, I did it at a young age. So you know what, I've been married 27 years, 26 years, you know what I'm saying? Now I'm in a a good situation. That's the second part of my phase of my life. The first third, 30 is the first phase. And that's where you get rid of all your kinks, get rid of it all. And that was when I had the disease to please, you know? Hmm, Yeah. So tell me, tell me the three phases, just so I have them down. It was growth and then- Yes. And then the second part is from 30 to 60. And that's really nurturing and and excelling in your gifts. Mm. You want to know by the, you know, at least by then you're, you know what you love, what you were good at, and you want to just nurture that, get better and better and better and get to be an expert in what you do and, and shine in your own talents and skills and gifts. Got to figure that out. Got to figure that out. So the 30, the next 30s, and that's what I'm in. I'm going out of that, you know, I'm going out of that, of that second phase. And the third phase is reaping the rewards of all the goody things, but at the same time, doing everything that you've always wanted to do. Ah. I've always wanted to get, have an RV. I mean, I love camping. Well, guess what? 2020. Thank you. Thank you, COVID. It made me feel like I've got to do this now. So I went and got myself a 24 foot RV and I'm loving, loving the wanderlust life and doing things that I would have never done before. You know, one of the things that comes with age is you get wiser and you get that wisdom and you get a sense of, you know what? I'm not afraid of it anymore. I'm not, you know, what am I waiting for? I'm not afraid. With that. So I, you know, I still work. I still see about 70 patients a week on the phone. 
you know, and it's a three day. I pretty much only work three days, Monday, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. I used to work more hours. Remember, I was developing, but I can, I have a lot more freedom now. Because but Wait, I, let me slow you down. Because you said three days and 70 pages. And then, you know, I'm not a mathematician, but that sounds like a lot still. So three page, th- three days, and you see 70 pages in three days. Talk to me about that. How does that work? So when I first started doing my environmental medicine allergy work, I started at 45 minutes because I was developing my skills. Mm. What I do a lot of is what's called muscle testing. Connect, yeah. connect to the body. So when you're talking to me, let's say you're a patient, I'm muscle testing myself and I've got vials and vials of allergens that I pick up. So even if you're talking to me, let's say you're talking to me about a headache while you're talking, I can pick up, okay, what's the root cause of the headache? Oh, she's been exposed to car exhaust. That's number one mold. She's eating too much mold. Oh my God. She's dehydrated. I start figuring out the intuitive uh, connection to the person and can figure out, oh my gosh, this is what I'm getting. Sure. I know everything about medicine, meaning I look at all the blood tests, stool tests, salivary tests. Every test you can think of, x-rays, I know how to read x-rays because I'm a sports medicine doctor. I know a lot about any forms of diagnostic testing. And so in the allopathic, which is the medical side, I have joined that together with my quantum physics energy side together. Mm, that is so beautiful because, you know, you I listen to a lot of the different podcasts and I hear a lot of people, everybody wants science, 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 science-based. What is this science-based? Is this evidence-based? But in my belief and in my experience, sometimes the science can get in the way of the real connection and being able to read what you're saying is like, oh, but this is what I learned in school. But outside of what you learned in school, this woman right in front of you has some really serious things going on that you can connect to despite of the science. Yeah. So correct. The thing that I, I remember, I mean, you know, is again, I want to make the decision. Is it right for me? Mm-hmm. I want to make the decisions. And that's, that's what really helped me figure out which direction to go. Now for my son being all that allergy and sick and all that, I tried the allopathic, I tried the regular mainstream medicine I tried, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't good enough. And it was just patching up. You get a cream and the allergy, you know, and that's not healthy either doing all these creams um, cortisone mm-hmm. and, whatnot, and the drugs. And, and, and so I chose another path because it was for my son's life. And, and that's really what got me thinking about, okay, this is the direction that I really want to go. And that's part of the reason why though, but there's one thing, I'm not the extreme either. Although you might think what's muscle testing is extreme, not at all, because I use that as another extra sense to help with my decision-making what I already know from the science it gives me another edge. So again, this is a little bit more extra, right? I'm yeah. people in another way, not like the regular doctors, which I already do. I already service them the way the regular doctors do in the integrative therapeutics and in the, the modalities that I use. But I want to give them a little bit more because I want to know even. Yeah. Give them more service here and give them a sense where, you know what, I'm going to, Give them hope. You know, one of the things that we don't have enough of is hope. Yep. Hope that you're going to be good. And the language, the words you use, the words, the way you connect to your clients. And the and I really believe in, you know, Don Miguel Ruiz. It's one of my favorite books. Yes. 
right? The four agreements. The first one is be impeccable with your word. Your word is, again, one of my key ways of communicating clearly so that they feel the energy. They Absolutely. feel Yeah. Right? And yep. no therapy as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're using the voice, the tone, the not just that it's your mind too, right? Because exactly. And it's their words back to them. So I, I yep. It's like, I have to make sure my words are impeccable, but I have to really call them on their words and make sure their words are impeccable too, because I am putting that same suggestion back into them. And we want to make sure that is clear and what they really want out of life, not what society told them they should have or some programming. So before I ask our last question and go to question q and I want to find out if, if people want to connect with you. I know I told them that you were on Radio MD, but how else can they connect with you? They can connect just by, I, I'm on Instagram, although I'm not crazy. I'm not a big, you know, person, but I'm willing to go in there. And, you know, of course I do engage. You can always go to my website, drsuzanne.com. And that's with an S-S-U-S-A-N-N-E-D-R-S-U-S-A-N-N-E.com. You can always call my office. Although I work at home, my assistant Frank handles everything. And you can always go to my books. My last book was The Kimchi Diet. This is my favorite book, I think, out of all, because that has a lot to do with my background and where I'm from. Is very important for strengthening your gut and healing the gut so that you can master your gut feelings, but also get healthy and strong and energized. And you can go to any of the, yeah, I think Amazon, you can get all my books, but you can connect with me through that. And you can always, you know, if you have a specific question and you want to talk to me, you can always get my uh, personal information from Kane as well. Awesome. So, a last question we always ask is what is the best advice you ever received or the advice you wish somebody would have told you? I, I, I must tell you that it's really not even a person. It's, it's about key defining moments, mm. key defining yeah. moments, moments that are so like aha for you that will change the trajectory of your life. And you've got to move forward on it. Mm. You've got to move forward on, take that risk, have courage to do it. I was with, with my first husband, Greg Bennett, bless him, but I just, it wasn't the right relationship. I married young at 26 and I was a big runner and I was running my woes away. You know, I (laughs) really, I I would run sometimes twice a day because I was so not happy in this relationship. And it just wasn't the right type of relationship. And one day I was running and I'm running and on the corner of my eye, and I used to be like five, six miles runner, corner of my eye, I see something fluttering in a, in a yard, you know, cause I'm on the sidewalk, right? And it was a little baby sparrow. It was not a baby, but a sparrow. Mm-hmm. And it was stuck. I could tell that it couldn't fly because it was fluttering. It was stuck in a water sprinkler. You know, the water sprinklers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, poor little thing got stuck in it because while it was playing in the water, it literally was at the uh, terrible timing. So I, right away, I can feel, oh my God, I felt so bad for this babe. So I went and I banged on this or who knew it was behind the door. I didn't care because I wanted this to save this bird. And it was an Eastern Indian woman, an older woman, beautiful woman in this sari. And she didn't understand what I was talking about. And so then her, I guess, stepson came out and I was yelling, can you please turn off your water? Turn off your water. 
And he got it. He saw it, you know, and he turns off the water. And immediately I see this bird taken off flying like, I'm free. Yeah. Was it. That was the defining moment. Freedom. I, I love it. And I need to fly like this bird. I ran crying all the way home thinking, oh, my God, I, I can't do this anymore. I just can't do it. And surely enough, it was really interesting. It was the timing was when I was doing personal power. I don't know if you know Tony Robbins. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, but this was in the early 90s, early 90s. And I, I bought the personal power cassettes and I was listening to one every day. There's a 12, it's a 12 week course. And I did it three weeks, three months or three 12 week sessions. So full year, yeah. I kept doing it, you know, and you know, the word, when you listen, often it just sets in, I kept on doing it. And right after that time and the birdie, I just, I planned my, I don't want to say escape, but I planned, <laughs> I planned my freedom. Yes. Wow. That is so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Now we're going to go into Q&A. So podcast listeners, this is where we leave you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. And I will see you next week. And this is time for the Prosperity Club members to ask their questions. So guys, what questions do you have for Dr. Suzanne? Gandhi said, Your beliefs become your thoughts. Your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your values. Your values become your destiny. So in essence, your beliefs eventually become your destiny. So in order to take control of your destiny, you have to first take control of your beliefs. But here's the thing. Most of us are controlled by our societal programming. Now, you may be asking yourself or me, what's societal programming? Societal programming is all the messages you've heard over and over and over again, like money doesn't grow on trees or like it's better to give than to receive. Those statements repeated eventually became your beliefs, but you can overcome it. And that's why I created my Path to Prosperity Workshop. Register today. It is the best two hours you will invest in your business and your life. I'll show you what societal programming is, help you gain clarity on your specific programming, and I'll give you a sample hypnotherapy session at the end so you can start breaking through your societal program immediately. Take control of your destiny. Register now. The link is in the show notes so you can get on the path to prosperity. I'll see you there. Thanks for listening all the way to the end, my Prosperity Pro. I wanna stay connected with you. Here are four ways. Pick the one that works best for you if you wanna stay connected with me. One, if you have any questions, I'd love to answer them. Send them to podcast at presidentiallifestyle.com. I'd love it if you would make a one or two minute audio message and attach it to an email. That'd be the easiest way for me to get it. Ask me anything about creating a life of meaning over money and I'll get you an answer. Remember the email address is podcast at presidentiallifestyle.com. Two, subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. 
because you guys might want to have a discussion about it, especially if they're a CEO who wants to shift from the old American dream to a life of meaning. Three, we try not to have any sponsors on this show unless they are truly in line with our values. I mean, really a good fit. So that means we fund this podcast ourselves. I'd like you to take a look at our resource page to see if there's any products or services that we recommend that are right for you. If not, no worries, maybe later. If so, please use our affiliate link to purchase. Thank you in advance for doing that. You are such an amazing person. Okay, four and last. If you want to know what's happening over here at Presidential Lifestyle and you want us to email you the update, then go to presidentiallifestyle.com slash blog slash now. And you'll see the current updated blog for the week, but you'll also see a link to subscribe to that blog. We can email it to you if you like. That's presidentiallifestyle.com slash blog slash now. Don't worry. You don't have to remember that link or any links. They're all in the show notes. Oh, and I forgot to say, if you're enjoying this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review and tell us how much you're enjoying it. And now for the legalese. This podcast is not to replace professional counsel. The best advice is from a professional who knows you and your specific situation. The topics discussed in this podcast are general in nature and for informational or entertainment purposes only. We encourage you to meet with a professional that you can discuss your specific situation with. Whether you choose us or someone else, one-on-one counsel is important, whether it's a financial, therapeutic, legal, or other decision. So that's all for now. I'll see you next episode. And remember, you can have wealth in all of its forms. Believe it, and you'll soon see it.